We've got a loaded episode. Back half of the episode is Jason Stark of The Athletic, uh, the Hall of Famer, Jason Stark. I mean, how like stupid lucky are we to be able to talk to Jason Stark for a casual 30 on a Friday? Uh, dude, I, and I'll be honest, like I felt so lucky to be able to do it. And and I just wanted to keep going. I, he, he had a hard out and he squeezed out every minute he could with us. I would have went, and I know you would have too, for another hour and a half if possible. Because he's just, not only is he so interesting, he's just a great conversationalist too. Like he's asking us questions. I'm like, why are you asking me a question? Dude, I don't matter. I mean, <laughs> his, his weird and wild column is like one of my favorite things to read on a weekly basis. And he had Jared Oliver's steal of home for Indy a couple weeks ago in his weird and wild column. And he like, put it on me. He was like, what'd you think of that? I was what'd like, you no, think? you're the Hall of Fame baseball writer. I'm asking you what you thought of that. I also asked a Hall of Fame baseball writer why he loves baseball. So stay tuned for that conversation. Yeah. Um, a couple of things before we try out our new segment. I'm very curious to uh, see how this one goes. We're going to do 30 teams in 20 minutes. Are We're we just going to clock. I'll set a clock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you can do it, my phone's actually charging behind me. So if you, if well, you could do that, that'd be awesome. So but, for those who are wondering if I'm in like summer camp right now, because yeah. I know some we've, we've got our fair share of YouTubers. You're uh, sitting you know, people, in bed six right now. The bed. Yeah, I'm numbered. sitting in bed six. It, it, honestly, I'm looking at it. You see like a, 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 a lamp that is like the lampshade is is literally crooked. I'm fixing it right now. I'm standing with bed five and bed six labeled behind me. You'd think I was like in trouble right now, but uh, no, I'm actually having a great time. I'm visiting my buddy Griff in Pensacola on the way back to Florida. Cause I wanted to see Matt Mervis as well. Yeah. Uh, friend of the call up podcast and has been raking for the Cubs. And um, yeah, I'm recording in Griff's room. You can imagine that desks do not exist in uh, an apartment for four professional baseball players desks are not needed here correct uh, so i am just recording in bed six in the words of cardale jones i'm here to play football not play school desks correct. are pointless he said desks glasses are, are pointless. pointless but desks are pointless they've got the things. nintendo switch they've got that ready to go uh there's there's that's about it honestly uh i've reused the same towel four times like this is this is different kind of living yeah, this I is understand. different kind of living man this uh, is why we need to support minor leaguers yes. <laughs> Wait, well, this is this is the upgrade that they never had like yes. this is this is the first time that they've had provided they're thrilled with this by the way like i don't want to i don't oh, want to make yeah. it sound they're amped this is great um but you know from my cushy situation i was just at, like visiting my mom in my my old bedroom yeah uh, and now we're here it's a little different uh, and i'm recording a podcast with the microphone in my hand dude uh, in bed six with with griff's lumber with the, the big the big bat 34 inch bat that he that he's oh you've got your bat too i've got Hell a yeah. 30 i've got a 33 here so you got a 34 so i'm on the smaller side and that's okay uh i yeah, have size confidence. does not matter size doesn't matter <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, listen, all the uh, Indianapolis Indians are in my apartment complex, and this is a new thing from from minor league baseball as well. So minor league baseball, it's it, it's getting heading better. In the right direction. Heading in the right direction, still more room to grow there. Hey, you know, they say Rome wasn't built in a day. I think, you know, decency wasn't built in a day either, and, and we're getting there. It's built in a couple of years and a couple of collective bargaining agreements. Um, two things before we get to 30 teams in uh, in 20 minutes. Uh, number one, are you mad at me for not letting you break the O'Neill Cruz news? Because uh, let yes. me, yeah, I assume you are. Let me walk you through what was going on for me. We see O'Neill Cruz, you know, we, my partner, Howard Kelman and I, the legend Howard Kelman, you're 46 again, is the voice of the Indians. And he'll be on the just baseball show very soon to just talk about what he's seen over the last oh, I 45 can't wait for years. Howard Kelman. I can't wait for Howard. Kelman. It's going to be awesome. He already said yes to coming on the pod, but, uh, Howard and I were uh, Howard and I were were sitting there before our game in Gwinnett, listening to uh, the Ben Charrington show. Ben Charrington, the GM of the Pirates, it's a show. and uh, he's got like a weekly radio hit, like a thirty-minute you know weekly sit down with Greg Brown, who's one of the announcers for the Pirates. And you know, I, I'd say twenty minutes of the thirty were about O'Neill Cruz. The other ten were about Leover Piguero, who, by the way, got a hit in his major league debut. That's awesome to see, but. O'Neill's going up. Um, a lot of it was, when are we going to see him? What has he been working on in Indy? All those types of things. And, you know, it just, he said he's really, really close. We'll see what happens in the next couple of days. O'Neill was not in the lineup for us. Uh, we're calling the game and we get a look at O'Neill Cruz, the first base coach. And uh, a lot of people are on starting lineup watch. We were on first base coach watch and then pinch hitter watch. Uh, O'Neill got a pinch hit appearance. He finished the game in left field and then about half an hour after the game ended, I was standing in the pot belly in downtown Indianapolis and I get some texts from some people and it's like, Hey man, can you confirm this like initial report that O'Neill's going up? I'm like, dude, I'm getting a sandwich in Indy. Like they're leaving Gwinnett and going to the, Atlanta I know airport. as much as you do. I've got no clue what's going on. And then I saw that Robert Murray had it. So I'm not a bad friend. I didn't hide it from you. I just had no clue what was going on. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. You know, I, I thought you were, you're, you're a pros pro. Again, I'm not even trying to pump your tires right here. Like you're a pros pro. And I figured, you know, you didn't want to be that broadcaster. That's like sneaking out little scoops. Cause I think it's kind of traceable. Oh, where did executive editor of just baseball co-host of the just baseball show, get the own new cruise breaking news. No, no way. It was his co-host uh, and also associate editor. Of just baseball, who happens to be the AAA broadcaster alongside Howard Kelman uh, for for the Indianapolis Indians. But what I will say is a little uh, before we get into it, also because I, I know I want to spend a couple minutes on it, and I don't want to eat into our twenty minutes of uh, of each team because this was really cool to see Gerard Encarnacion uh, oh, do dude. what he did on the Marlins. And I know Jack Sawinski homered three times. I know there's other stories in baseball, yeah. uh, but I want to talk about Gerard just because I'm in Pensacola right now. Yeah, and. And Gerard, as we've talked about, double-A players getting promoted relatively quickly, sometimes straight from double-A this year. Uh, we talked about that on the call-up. Um, you know, Gerard did play a couple weeks in triple-A, but it wasn't long at all. He had shown enough, and, and he got promoted uh, due to a couple guys going down for what we presume was COVID. Um, couldn't have had a better first game. Grand slam for Gerard for his first big league hit. Then he gives you a stolen base. He gives you a fire outfield assist from the corner, 93 miles an hour on the dot. Yeah. Um, and just did a little bit of everything. And 
Um, you know, I, I saw his raw emotion after the game. I don't know if you saw that clip of him, you know, literally crying as he was hugging, I don't know, family member or friend. I, well, I and did you see the phone that. got handed to him on FaceTime? There were like 20 more family members. It was amazing. You know, Gerard's a father, man. And like he has kids and, he, you know, he has a family and he's been in, in, the, in the minor leagues for a long time. This is, you know, a, a guy that was signed at 16 years old, 17 years old. And yeah. it's been a long ride for him. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to talk about that because he's such a good dude. I haven't met him, so I can't speak on it from my perspective, but enough of these guys that I've been around, they were all watching every at bat in the Pensacola clubhouse. And when he went yard, they erupted and, and everybody was just so happy for him. And, um, just to say that's a guy you should root for. And uh, a lot of people are rallying behind him and, uh, the raw emotion that, that he had after that ball game was pretty damn cool. Dude, it was amazing. And I, I'm thinking about get that oppo for a grand slam at City Field against the second best team in baseball, in our opinion. And and against a, a guy that was shoving in Chris Bassett for a yeah. team that needed a win in the worst way to yeah. avoid the sweep or not the sweep. I guess they got one more game in the series as, as people are listening to this. And hey, but, he was the guy that supplied insurance for Sandy. Yeah, he might be Sandy's best friend now, yeah. um, it, it, legitimately. Uh, but I, I think he can hit at the big league level. That'll be a call-up conversation we'll have. But I, I am yeah. a believer in what we've seen. I'll get more into that. But I just thought that was a cool story. And uh, that's why we love baseball, right, is, is, is these guys that, that give up so much, live with the numbered beds. They didn't yeah. even have this. And, yeah. you know, to get to where they are. And uh, it's pretty, pretty freaking cool. 100%. Um, one more non-baseball thing before we get to 30 teams in 20 minutes. Um, I had one too many libations last night, which me, for me means three. I had three, um, and that's one more than two. So um, my thing, and I, I'm curious what your, your stance on this is, is like I'm 24 years old. Like my rebound time is already terrible. I'm still reeling. And I know we have some, some people that listen to this podcast that are maybe 40, 50, you know, yeah. we've got people of all ages, which, which is awesome. Uh, and they probably hear that and they're like, fuck you. Yeah. Get I've, I've said it to some of my mom's friends. They asked me about drinking. Cause I, I literally, when I drink, it's either a couple beers or it's straight tequila sodas. Cause if I mix it with anything else, I have the worst hangover the next day. And, and yeah. like, it ruins my day. I can't write. I, like I just feel dumber. Uh, it's not great. And uh, no, I'm with you. I don't rebound. I turned 25 in less than a month and I legitimately cannot rebound the way I did in college. And it just, I just don't enjoy getting after it like that anymore. I like getting the nice buzz, have a couple of drinks, have a good time. I had a couple glasses of wine at dinner, uh, yeah. but dude, it, it is, it is not the same and recovering is not the same. I'm with you on that. I had an experience at dinner actually that I am curious to what your thought is. So yeah. This was a big meal, Fam you know, friends getting back together to hang out. So that means yeah. you got to be okay with dropping a little bit. We went to a steak. Red house. meat. Yeah. Red meat. Griff got, Griff got the fanciest steak. I wasn't going to get that. There yeah. was like a fancy New York prime and, you know, and then there was like the, the New York strip that was like 40 bucks. Yeah. And the other one was like 70. Yeah. And I got the $40 one. Of course. And they came back to us and, and one of our mutual friends now, uh, Griff's buddy that played with him at Duke, uh, Pete Zyla, got this, the, the same cheaper one with me. Waiter comes back and goes, we only have one of the cheaper New York strip sticks left. Oh. Uh, what do you guys want to do about that? And I was, I, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll get the nicer one. Like, let me try this. I haven't spent any money. Like, let, yeah. you know, I didn't have to pay for a hotel. A bed opened up here. I was able to crash here. Let me get the nicer stick. But I was like, will you give me a discount? You know, like, since I don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, and the waiter laughed. I didn't get a discount. It was a $30 upcharge. What a do you dick. think? 
do you think that I should have got $10 off that? Steak? Yes. Oh like, my they were God. All, yeah. They were out of the steak I wanted. And my choice was either to get a different cut or to get that nicer cut. That was $30 more. Didn't even throw me a bone for 10 bucks. I'm easy going. I don't know. Maybe am I, am I being snotty? Am I being obnoxious? What, I don't, what do you think? And no, I think I've never been guy, told on a Sunday at eight o'clock at a steakhouse. Hey, we're out of the New York strip. No, um, you have to get the more expensive one or get a different cut. What do you think? Or and I don't do this very often. So like I, I eat crap. Um, I, I'm, yeah. on a, I'm on a, I'm on a low budget here. Um, I tried to indulge and now I got to pay off. I'm going to be so pissed when I got to look at the credit card bill at the end of the month. And 10% of it is, is one meal. Dude's going to take out a loan on a steak. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think a, that guy is a dick for laughing at you when you ask for a discount and B yeah, you should get some money off. I think he should have charged you 40 for the steak. Like that's my thought. I, I, I was, I would have been happy with 60. Yeah. I, just, just, just don't hit me with the full charge, but yeah. Okay. That's good to know. I Griff was on the same team as me. And so was Pete. I was just curious if, if that was, if I was just being, being a little snobby there. It's also no. Pensacola. This is, this is not New York city. Right. Uh, this, this is a different area. Exactly. Uh, but, Let's let's fly through these teams. All right, thirty teams in twenty minutes, and then Jason Stark. I'm going to start my stopwatch now on the iPad. We're going to go by division. We'll start in the AL, then go to the NL. Cool. Okay. Three, two, one, go. All right, the Yankees are the best team in baseball. They're nine and one. They just lost a a, a burner to Toronto, who's second in the division right now. Yeah, they won how many games before that in a row? Nah, uh, I don't even want to. I don't want to count them up because we're going to waste time on the clock. It was a lot. It was a lot of games in a row that they won before that. They're nine and one in their last ten. They're almost at the point of doubling up in run differential. Three hundred and forty runs scored, one hundred ninety-seven runs allowed. It's a plus one hundred forty-three run differential. No one's even sniffing that department. No one's even sniffing uh, triple digits besides the Dodgers. Uh, this is the best team we've seen in a while. Are they getting hot at the wrong time though? Or is this just a perfectly built team? That's you know what I'm a, saying. Like that, yeah. that's the question. That's a really good question. Um, I would say they're getting hot at the wrong time, but then I look at the starting rotation and Nestor Cortez can finish top three in AL Cy Young voting. Um, if he keeps the pace that he's on right now, Clay Holmes looks like the American league reliever of the year. Where the hell did that come from? And then Aaron judge is the unanimous AL MVP right now. So I have no idea if this is a really, really good team or this is, the best first half team we've seen in a decade and they're going to crumble after the all-star break. I've got no clue. Last thing I'll say on them is, is, you know, I, I expect regression to a degree from, from most of their staff. And that doesn't mean they'll be bad. I'm just saying they're not going to be like, I don't think Montgomery is going to be a two seventy RA guy. I think he's more of a three, one RA guy. Same with Tyone two, seven, probably more of a three, one, three, two guy this year. Cortez, Probably not a one nine four, maybe a two seven this year, right? But here's the thing: Garrett Cole's probably not a three three guy. I think Severino is even better than a three three guy, and I know damn sure Jonathan Loizaga is a better than a seven ERA guy when he's healthy and ready to go. And I know Chapman, though I don't think he's going to be a roldest Chapman that we have known to. And I was going to say known and love, but I don't really love him. Uh, yeah. But we have come to know for a long time and appreciate as a pitcher. Uh, I think he can still find a way to be a productive reliever. And so there's a lot to like here. There's a lot that can still get better for them. And, and I even think that that offensively, like they have so many dudes that are taking turns there. I think they're going to find a way to continue to go. No one's catching them in the division. It's more yeah. just, can they keep it rolling in the playoffs? And that's really a question that nobody can answer until the playoffs come. And that's something you can't worry about until the playoffs come. 
Yeah, two and a half minutes on the first team we talk about that. We're on a great right. pace right now. Uh, Toronto, <laughs> Toronto is second. They are 11 back in the division. They just took one. 10-9. Is the offense getting better now? I think so. I think so. I mean, we, we saw it today. To come back and win this game, I think that's one that can really ignite them. Uh, Vladdy had one of the most absurd swings I've ever seen. Uh, I think they're getting going. You know, you can say, oh, yeah, they lost three in a row ahead of that. They still were, you know, I mean, okay, you lost to a Baltimore lineup that ambushed you, and then they lost, you lost two games to the Yankees. I think this could be a good momentum swi- or switch for them, and I yeah. think they could beat up on the White Sox. I'm with you. Tampa can't hit right now. They're three and seven over their last 10. Do you, do you think this is real? Like they cannot hit. I'm worried. Um, not in a way that I think that they're going to like fold and, and not be competitive, but this is not even as, as good of a Tampa team as we saw last year. They need to go get bats. They've have assets. Go get bats. I, I think they will. I think they will. Don't you? Yeah, I think so. I think they're going to go. I think they're going to move some guys in double. And we saw that really good double A team in Montgomery. Um, we'll see what happens if they move prospects. But I think Eric Neander is going to be very strategic. And this will actually be an active deadline for the Tampa Bay Rays, which I'm excited I, for. I think this might be the most aggressive we've seen them in a while because they that still be have awesome. the core. They still have the, the pieces to do it. And they've got the Cy Young front runner and Shane McClanahan. And Wander Franco's on the mend. Yeah. Uh, he's about to be back soon. And, and that'll help a little bit, too. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Boston is 6-4 and four in their last 10. What's your read on the Red Sox right now? I mean, the pitching is 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 better in a lot of spots, I think, than Pivetta. we thought it would be. has been way better. What a what a development, you know, that guy has been for them. I'm, I'm, I'm in on Pavetta. I like what we're seeing. They're a team that's never going to go away. I just don't know if they're – I think they're closer to the Rays uh, than, than we thought they would be, but I still don't see them being in the same – realm as the blue jays and especially the yankees they are gonna have to make some moves and do you go add when you've got some ex- some guys that might you know be on the way out what's sander gonna do you know what, what's the future with jd they're in a weird in-between spot you don't want to mortgage the future but you also want to try to win with this core it's tough yeah last team in the al east is toronto they're 30 and 38 or not toronto baltimore they're 30 and 38 they're six and four in their last 10 uh adley's up yes grayson rodriguez has a lat issue who are some of the younger guys that people can watch out for in Baltimore? Dude, I'm really excited about some of these young guys. I think, I think that we could see Gunnar Henderson up there sooner rather than later. Damn. It's really, it's really about how aggressive we want that they want to be with him. He's hitting at every level. He destroyed double a pitching. Now he's the youngest guy in triple a continuing to hit there. I think that could be a guy that we see go up there and, and really help them out big time. And, uh, and could be very exciting out of the gate. This Orioles team's trending in the right direction, and they're starting to get there. Also, look out for a massive, massive second half from Ryan Mountcastle. Good. That guy's going to get going. That if guy's he didn't say it, going. I was going to say it. He is. This is a Orioles team, an Orioles team that's not going to roll over for you anymore. And the pitching, not great, but better than it's been in recent years, which is not saying much, but the bullpen is actually really good. Yeah. Minnesota's the leader in the AL Central. They're eight games over 500. They're five and five in their last 10. Minnesota's hurt a little bit, but Byron Buxton's one of the hottest hitters on the planet right now. I feel like we just like take turns saying that every like couple weeks, right? It's yeah. Just- well, it's like he, I mean, he's brutal right now. And then he's one of the hottest hitters on the planet. And then like, oh, he can't make contact with shit. And then like, oh my God, he's hitting everything out of the ballpark. This lineup's good, man. And, and if they can get something out of Alex Kirilov, they're getting something out of Trevor Larnick right now. I think they could go make a trade or two. The pitching has been holding up all right. Uh, Sonny Gray finally back. Smelter's been a revelation up until the last start. Yeah. Archer's giving them good innings. This is a team that still needs to make a move or two, but 
I, I think that they've, they've got to be the favorite, right? I mean, are, you're, you're the White Sox guy, and we're going to get to them, but are, are you not taking the, the Twins to kind of lead the way the rest of the season? Here's the thing. We're not getting to the White Sox yet because Cleveland's 8-2 and two over their last 10, and they're 6 over 500. We can point to the pitching. We can point to the pitching philosophy with the Guardians, right? They are really good at developing pitchers. And Tristan McKenzie, by batting average against, I think might still be the best pitcher in baseball in that department. But look at the offense, man. Steven Kwan is getting hot again. He's right around 320 in June. Oscar Gonzalez is a guy that I saw in Columbus that's hitting 310 in June, and he's got like an 800 OPS. They have a lot of contributors offensively that nobody has ever heard of. And I don't think they want to mortgage the future, but they could go trade for almost anyone they want. Yeah. J Ram is, is I, I said it on the podcast before when, when Peter brought up the Mookie point, I don't think there's a player more important to his team than Jose Ramirez. Yes. He accounts for 25% of whatever statistic you want. This Name is Damian stat- Lillard. Yeah. He's literally accounting for 25%. He literally is Damian Lillard. That's a great comp <laughs> and they need you know, I think it looks like Andres Jimenez has become like his CJ McCollum. If we're just looking at the lineup right. perspective, yeah. get, get him someone better, please. Like even get him a Norm Powell because Josh Naylor is not his Norm Powell. Like get someone better than that. And Josh Naylor has been great, but that's a, that's a premium offensive position. Like They can go get some dudes and, and not feel it system wise. And the pitching though, like you said, that pitching's going to keep them in the hunt the whole year. Yeah, they could, they could make it interesting. They could. I'm worried the White Sox won't make it interesting. They're two games under 500. They're five back in the division right now. Granted, this is the worst division in baseball, but I do think the White Sox are running out of time. At what point do you start to to look at maybe going outside for a catcher? I mean, Grandal can't stay healthy. When he's healthy, he's been struggling. Reese McGuire stinks. He traded Zach Collins. What do you what do you do? I think the the White Sox are giving up a lot behind the dish right now, and they're giving up a lot just with some of the abs that they're giving to guys in the outfield. It just seems like almost every single lineup, guys are taking turns, and they have two or three spots at two or three positions that are just gaping holes uh, of guys that just are are replacement level players at best. Yes, and one of them is second base. Josh Harrison is uh, likely near the end of the road. They have two options there: Yolbert Sanchez in triple, Lenin Sosa in double. And I think you and I both like Lenin Sosa a little bit more. And, but who knows if he's going to translate? Right? I love Sosa long term, but does that mean he can hit jump from double and hit in the big leagues? I don't know. And if that's what you're hoping for, and we know the White Sox are considering it, we know that they've sent officials over there. They're they're in a sticky spot. And as we've highlighted a bajillion times on here, they don't have assets to go make a legitimate trade and go get an impact player. They're in trouble. The White Sox are absolutely in trouble. Yeah, we're at nine and a half right now, so we can speed through the shitty teams. Detroit is 14 games under 500, but they got Riley Green. That's the excitement there. They have had their two best offensive games back to back. Uh, I think Riley Green injected some life. Torkelson showing signs of life. Robbie yeah. Grossman heating up as well. Yeah. This is a team that that I was lower on than, than you guys, but I think they're going to start to get going here. Uh, and, and I don't think they're going to be good, but I think they're going to be a lot better. Uh, I, I believe. The Royals aren't going to be good. Uh, the Wits are getting a little bit better. Bobby Witt and Witt Merrifield. Uh, one of them first name, one of them last name, but they're, they're playing a little bit better. The pitching is probably the worst in baseball. Salvador Perez is a liability as well yeah. at this point, which is really crazy because they gave him that contract not that long ago. Love what we're seeing from MJ. The, the pitching's a problem. Daniel Lynch has hit a wall. You know, it looked like he might have figured it out. He's hit a wall. Granky on the IL. It, it's it's rough. I mean, they almost every single time, every game, they're probably at a disadvantage pitching wise, no matter how they line up with the opposing team's rotation. That's a problem. 
Yes, it is a problem. Houston, 41 and 25. They're five and five in their last 10, but Jordan Alvarez has been the best hitter in baseball in the month of June. And he's probably the third best hitter in baseball right now. It goes Judge, Trout, and Jordan Alvarez. Pitching, is it sustainable? I think it is. I mean, Verlander's struggling right now. Get it out of your system. <laughs> he's had two bad starts. Get it out of your yeah. system. We're Framber believers. Luis Garcia has proven that he can be a mid threes guy at worst. Christian Javier continues to shove. Like I know him. you and I are very high on Javier, and he is damn good. And Odorizzi was good before he went down. This is a good team, and the bullpen's as good as it's looked in a while, too. Angels are going to miss the postseason again. I'm so worried. But Mike Trout, I mean, dude, just, just enjoy what Trout's doing right now. The, look up the home run. Not, not the one he hit yesterday, if you're listening to this. The one yeah. he hit two days ago. Change up, three balls off the plate away, and he left the yard dead central. Nobody... F- nobody fucking does that like yeah. he is he is a okay different, yeah i can curse it's already marked explicit yeah. he is legitimately capable of things that very few are there's four replacement level guys in the lineup every single day i know they're injured and, and that sucks but too many five to seven hundred ops guys in that lineup this team is just really bad uh, outside of the core core guys yeah we are at uh 11 right now so we've got some ground to gain here texas they're not good. They're 10 games back. Uh, what do you like about Texas? What do I like about Texas? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. I don't know. Next team. <laughs> um, I mean, Corey Seager's starting to warm up a little bit. Just hit his 15th. I like Marcus Semien, obviously getting it going. Those are yeah. two huge things because that was your half a billion dollar investment. Adolis Garcia is starting to get it going again, too. So I think the offense is going to get there. Dane Dunning looks like he's passable. Uh, the pitching's been better than we thought. I, I think they're okay. I think they're going to hang around 500. I don't think they're a bad team. Is is this a wash of a season for Seattle already? Isn't that crazy that we're talking about that? Yeah. What do you think? I'm going to throw that back on you because I, I've been getting all the questions. How about you? I think, yes. Trade the vets for some upper-level minor league guys, and, and let's go. You've got a, such a young team. I agree. This is not a rebuild. This is just a retool and shuffle and move forward. These rookies were not, and, and second-year guys were not able to carry you the way you thought they would after you won 90 games. I think it was ambitious to think that. They'll be good. The pitchers will continue to get better. They'll continue to take that leap. Gilbert, Kirby, you'll have some of the minor leaguers up there. Brash, hopefully, as well. But yeah, trade, trade the Hanegers, trade some of those other guys, see what you can get and, and focus on the future. Time saver here. I'm not going to even throw Oakland to you. They're the worst team in baseball. Two guys that are going to get dealt at the deadline. Frankie Montas, Paul Blackburn. Let's go to the National League. The Ramon Mets, Laureano. Laureano and Laureano. The Mets are 20 games over 500. The Mets are six and four in their last 10. The offense is good, but the pitching, I, it's going to be really exciting when DeGrom and Scherzer come back in a couple of weeks. It's it's kind of annoying that they're this good, uh, given that they are missing two Hall of Famers. Offense continues to look good. Uh, Lindor playing phenomenal shortstop again. This team's just freaking good. They could probably use one more bopper, though. I do really feel like they could use one more bopper. Uh, but, I mean, this team is, is as good as anybody in baseball. Oh, what two weeks can do for the Atlanta Braves. It's ridiculous. They're eight and two in their last 10. They had a 13 game winning streak before they lost two to the Cubs. What's going on here? But Atlanta, I mean, if you're not considering the Braves as a World Series contender, you're looking at them in the wrong way. Yeah, you're, you're, you're just a hater. Uh, and, and I grew up hating the Braves, trust me. But the rotation is coming together. Ian Anderson's starting to figure it out. Charlie Morton looks back like Charlie Morton, his last start. Huge development. Yeah. We know about Kyle Wright. We know about Max Fried. Strider. 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 Phenomenal. 
Uh, and the bullpen is the bullpen, but also don't sweep on what Michael Harris has done. Not only does he give them the center fielder they needed, he puts Adam Duvall back in, in the place where he's supposed to be. And now he's hitting the way he's supposed to hit. This team is coming together at the right time. And of course, getting Ronald Acuna back helps a ton too. Oh, what two weeks can do for the Philadelphia Phillies. Are they a playoff team right now? No, come on. I know. I agree with you, but like they're seven and three in their last 10. Reese Hoskins is playing out of his mind, but you know what, dude? I, I, I just, I'm never going to believe. I, I, I said this, right? Going into the year, they're going to have their crazy hot streaks where everyone's going to say, are they a playoff team? And then they're going to hit the freaking wall again. We saw them almost lose a game again right away because D.D. Gregorius throws it in the shitter on the last out of the game. Like, the defense is always a problem, and the pitching's still going to be a problem, and it's not going to get any better because you know Bryce Harper's going to be eating that D.H. spot. Nick Cassianos has been a gaping hole, and, and the pitching is, is up and down, and we know the defense is as bad as it gets. We got four and a half minutes. It's like we're on chopped. Miami, 29 and 35, but Gerard's up. This team is easier to watch now. Uh, dude, I hope he stays. I don't know if they're going to keep him up there. He's a 40-man guy. I, I, he didn't come into the year as a big value guy for them. Look up his minor league numbers. He's been fantastic. I'm just glad that he gave Sandy some run support. Uh, I'm glad that the team was put, able to put some offense together. They've played better ball games as of late, uh, but I think you got to keep the young life in there and, and shake it up, and hopefully they, they keep him in the lineup. Washington was the worst team in baseball, and then they got moved from the worst team in baseball in our power rankings, and they might be gunning for the worst team in baseball title again. They're brutal. I mean, who, who pitches for them? Nobody. I mean, they are mailing it in. And, and if, if whoever says they're not, I feel so bad for Dave Martinez. He goes out there with a smile on his face as much as he can. Patrick Corbin is the white waving the white flag. Joanna Don or Adon or whatever. Joanna Don. Adon waving the white flag every day. I feel bad for him. They are legitimately just just mailing it in, and and yeah. it's tough to watch. Three and a half minutes, two divisions, two birds with one stone. Milwaukee and St. Louis are tied. Everybody else non-competitive in the NL Central. Who wins the division? The Brewers or the Cardinals? Cardinals. Tyler O'Neill's back. Tyler O'Neill is back and all of their prospects are hitting tradable assets, similar to the Yankees guys, improving more valuable. They're going to go get their arm. I think they're going to do it. Uh, I, I'm all in, go get a catcher. I'm, I'm sorry, Yachty, go get a catcher. Yachty's hurt. Maybe that'll be the excuse. Now Yachty's out for multiple weeks with like overall soreness. Ivan Herrera is up, which will be interesting, but he's not the answer. If you want to win a world series R real quick, which arm do they go get? I think you got to go all in for Montes. I really yeah. do. Yeah. All right. Uh, Pittsburgh, they just got more exciting. We talked about O'Neill already. Pagaro, how about Jack Sawinski, a three-homer day, including a walk-off yesterday. Is Sawinski for real? I think he is. He's a good athlete. You see it in the box. Power. Bat to ball has gotten better and better. Walks a ton. I love that they're calling up all their guys now. Make it young. Make it fun. Make them the new Mariners. I, like in a way, almost make them the new Mariners. I think they could be that fun team that everyone grabs onto. Who can the Cubs trade? Schwindel. He's starting to swing it again. Ian Happ is the big trade chip, right? Yeah. Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ. Trade those guys. Uh, get what you can get. Ian Happ could get you a nice return. Uh, Contreras, the way he's hitting, could get you a nice return too. Cincinnati, Ashcraft got rubbed, roughed up a little bit, but he's looking good. Hunter Green looking a lot better. Fastball movement is there. It's not on a clothesline anymore. The young pitching is the story for the Reds. I'm really looking forward to it. We just put a great piece out. Clay Snowden did a great job on, on JustBaseball.com. Luis Castillo pitching his way out of Cincinnati should get them a nice return. Uh, you know, this team is, is rough right now, but 
I think we could see a quicker rebuild than some are expecting. Minute 45 for the NL West. We're up against it. The Dodgers, 40 and 25. Freddie's not playing well. Mookie Betts is not playing well. He's hurt. His team's going to get better. He's hurt. Mookie. Broke a rib. Yeah, Mookie cracked a rib. So I don't know what the timetable is on that. Team's still too freaking good. Pitching is insane. I, I, even without Walker, they have all of the assets in the world. They'll make trades. They'll be just fine. Bullpen's good. They're going to be fine. Freddie Freeman will get going. The Dodgers are still the team to beat, I think, out of the NL. San Diego, Musgrove is incredible. Mackenzie Gore could win the NL Rookie of the Year if it ended today. I'm worried about the offense, though. Well, down goes Manny Machado. Dodged yep. a big bullet. I was positive that he broke his ankle, but he, thank goodness he didn't. X-rays were negative. Still should be multiple weeks. He was carrying that offense in a lot of ways. The, the, the Padres are even more up against it now. I think now's the time where we could see A.J. Prower start to get aggressive over the next week or two. We'll see what happens. And they have top-end talent in the farm. They don't necessarily have depth in the farm. San Francisco. Luke Voigt, Luke Voigt, Luke Voigt. Sorry, that's it. Mm. Just wanted to say Luke Voigt. Trade him? No, like looking good all of a oh, sudden. Oh, looking good. Okay, we got, uh, we got 30 seconds here. San Francisco, 7-3. and three. They're doing it with no names again. The bullpen and Tyro Estrada. Just wait till Lamont Wade comes back and Darren Ruff continues to start swinging it more. They're going to fully be the Giants all over again. Luis Rodriguez, who is that? Arizona, how about Christian freaking Walker? Two bombs yesterday. He's a power bat. Does Arizona keep it together because they're five games under 500 or do they go to make the trade? The smart move is trade Christian Walker while his value is at his, high, at his highest. That would be at the deadline. Let's see them go part with him. It'll be interesting to see who wants to go get him. Three seconds, Colorado, CJ Crone, my king, and time. There we go. That was fun, man. <laughs> there we go. Should we do it in 22 minutes? Oh, no. I, I, I think I'm getting, I got to learn the pace. I got to learn. You know, it's like the internal clock. A shortstop gets a chopper, and yeah. he learns, you know, how long do I have before the guy's at first base? My internal clock is starting to get conditioned. I think I'll be better next time. That was so fun. And we're, that was we're, really about, fun. To, we're about to yeah, give you a half an hour more of fun. The Hall of Famer, Jason Stark, joins the show. This has got to be the best way to start your Monday off for the Just Baseball show. We are joined by Jason Stark of The Athletic and MLB Network. So much to talk about with you, Jason. Jack McMullen also here as well. And thank you so much for taking the time. I don't even know where to start. There's so many things I want to get to, but thank <laughs> you so much for your time is where we'll start. Um, Jack, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me back. Of course. So the first time we spoke to you was with Jeff Conine. You, you hopped on outside the box with Jeff Conine. That was so much fun. That episode did extremely well. And we were so eager to get you back on, on the Just Baseball show because there's just so many things that you're covering through the game. And, and I feel like the way that you cover it, it is so exciting. And we had a recent overlap of some of the things that stood out to you. It's one of my favorite things that you do, just the weird and the wild across the entire sport. It could be on a little league field. It could be, you know, uh, in the big <laughs> leagues. And uh, one of those things was somewhere in between AAA, where our guy, Jack McMullen was on the radio call and uh, we had a steal of home. So a very cool overlap with the Indianapolis Indians in your recent piece as well. Yeah, really cool. You know, I don't, when I write that weird and wild column, I don't feel like I need to confine myself to anything. Me, time, space, whatever I want to do, I just do, right? So uh, I understand that this the, that steal of home in Indianapolis was not in the big leagues, wasn't even really this week, um, but it was so fun to watch and just made me, you know, I, every week stuff happens in baseball and I wind up going down the rabbit hole 
of trying to figure out right, when is the last time that happened and trying to do it in a big league game was really interesting too. Uh, there was one in the 97 ALCS with Marquise Grissom, but it really doesn't count because he wasn't, he didn't mean to steal home. It was a Omar Vizquel missed bunt attempt and then all hell broke loose. I hardly even count that as a straight steal of home. So you have to go all the way back at that point to 1982. Yeah. Len Brummer for the Cardinals walk off steal in the 12th inning with the bases loaded <laughs> about that. But uh, I'd love to hear Jack's, account of like what what did you see jack yeah how do you find the words for a moment like that <laughs> well I, luckily i didn't have to it was my partner that was doing it and i just kind of sat there and my uh, i think my color hit uh right before we started the post game show was just a laugh it was just <laughs> i can't believe this so um no that was that was incredible i mentioned to you right before we started recording both howard kelman my partner and myself were, were looking down at our scorebook for a moment and then we heard that brief rise of the crowd like before you hit that you know massive crescendo yeah. of the guy sliding into home and you know that kind of alerted us and howard sprung into action it, it was amazing but you know, Jason, I'm so curious how like this type of article is concocted because that doesn't happen on a day game, right? That's got to happen like a weird hour of the night. That was like 10.30 p.m. in Indy. This article feels like it's not written at 9.30 a.m. on a Tuesday with a cup of coffee. How do you go about, you know, grabbing all these things for the weird and the wild and, and putting it in there? <laughs> okay, well, I it's some kind of a combination of... Uh, dedication and insanity you know where uh what i really do to make this happen is every day i keep a log book of stuff i find interesting you know like some of it's going to turn into items in this column uh some of it's going to turn into bigger picture pieces it's just to make me pay attention every day and i'm just always trying to think of ideas for the column some of which turn into something cool and some of which turn into nothing at all yeah. but that's what i do every morning i wake up i work out i watch video i go through every game on uh, various forms so i know everything that happened the night before plus you know one of the cool things about social media is you can loop people in and i you know i've just got this band of people who love this stuff and they're always alerting me to anything and everything. And I really don't remember uh, the walk-off steal of home, where it came from, where I saw it, who, how it happened. But once I saw it, it went in the book and I was thinking, how am I going to work this in? So I just did. Yeah. I, that, that's good to know too, right? I was just say anybody listening, and now I know too, if we see something crazy, tweet at Jason yes. and tell him, tell him the crazy thing you just saw. But anyway, go ahead, Jack. No, I mean, one of uh, one of the guys that you referenced in that article in this week's uh, Weird and Wild was uh, my guy, Chris Kampka, who uh, is the graphics producer at uh, NBC Sports Chicago. And that's another guy that, you know, ticks the same way that a lot of very diehard baseball fans do, where they love the weird stuff. I mean, just interacting with so many people that love baseball as purely as you do. And that's a big thing that I wanted to hit on with you. How do you maintain the love for this sport that, that just goes on every single night? You seem like you truly love baseball and you've got a group of people uh, that follow you and read your stuff that love baseball. Yeah. You know, that part's easy for me. Uh, you know, I've always had it and I always like ultimate compliment that people give me all the time is uh, that the way I write about baseball and talk about baseball, they can tell 
that my love of baseball is real. And uh, that's, that's really kind of the way I want to go about it. Uh, you know, it started at a, at a really early age, you know, like reading people like Peter Gammons, who always had an eye for stuff. They, they, I, you, I guess you kind of saw, but you didn't realize you saw it. Roger Angel, I've been doing a lot of tributes to him recently because of uh, his passing, but he was another one who saw stuff that nobody else saw. And I grew up in Philadelphia reading uh, a bunch of sports writers who were always trying to make you laugh. And so, like, when I combined all those things, it got me to this place. I, I didn't really set out to have this niche <laughs> as the person who found the weirdest stuff in baseball every day, every week, but it's just kind of happened, and it's a fun niche to have. And, you know, like, I don't really mean to uh, toot my own horn or pat myself in the back. I'm not big on that, but when I won the, what was then the Spink Award and is now the Baseball Writers Career Excellence Award and, you know, got to have my moment in the sun literally at induction weekend in Cooperstown. So many people like Chris Kampka, who you just referenced, reached out to me and, and said, I was an influence on them. You know, that my eye for this stuff, my love for this stuff, the fun I had with this stuff um, was something that inspired them. And well, that's another thing. That's just the ultimate compliment to think that I'm just going along doing what I find fun and knowing that readers seem to find it to be fun. But now there's, there's, there's kind of a generation of people who have followed me in the business and they think it's fun and they think it's cool. And some of what they're doing is because I did it and Tim Kirkshen did it once upon a time. And hey, Chris Kampick is one of the guys who's so creative. I, like every week he's got 15 things where I say, I wish I'd thought of that. So when I was doing this note on the, the White Sox this week, Yohan Moncada gets five hits in a game, but two of them are off position players pitching for the Tigers. Yeah. And I, I said to Chris, I can't believe that you didn't look up the last time that happened. And he said, oh, my God, how can I not have thought of that? And then he spent like the next two hours looking into it for one paragraph of my column. So that's kind of what we've got going at the Weird and Wild column. Love it. I was going to say now, now that you got some more people in the fold with that, it's almost like a competition who can find the wackiest <laughs> thing and, and who can find it first. And I, I, what I love about what you're doing and you kind of just, just you know, referenced it and you can see that the generational aspect of, of the, the sport and the way that it's covered and the way you, you inspire even guys like Jack, myself and Peter to, to cover the game in an interesting way, whether it's on the written side on our website or, or on the podcast where generally on the podcast, we want to talk about the, the weird and the wacky things and, and just have fun with it because it's not only talking about what happened and how people might've missed it. It's, it's adding your own color to it. And that's what really makes the column so awesome. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that because there's two, two Two things that you put together here that are both linked in the in the description of the episode here. So if you want to follow along and read that or read it after, go ahead and click it. Uh, it's it's on the athletic. But I want to start with the, the a little bit more of the weird and wild, and then we'll go into the records real quick because I am really excited to talk about the piece you put out on the fifteenth, which was could any baseball feat today match the power of Cal Ripken Jr.'s streak? Here are seven to consider, and that's going to be really fun to get into. But I want to talk about the two immaculate innings because we've, we've definitely never seen anything like that. Two immaculate innings in one ball game uh, that we saw from, from the Astros here in that Astros game. And can you just talk about the probability and how you got to that, that 
Because there's a bunch of analogies of things that we will never see. You said Gabe Kapler beating Joey Chestnut in the 4th right. of July hot dog eating contest, which I think Gabe Kapler has not had a hot dog in a decade. Yes. Uh, Miles Straw <laughs> hit 763 home runs. Uh, like a few other things that are funny like that. Tom Brady eating a Snickers and without giving away the rest of the piece. But again, Tom Brady, you'll never see that man eating even a tomato. Uh, so, you know, what got you into the probability side of things of the two immaculate <laughs> innings? I know that was probably easy. You knew that was a shoe in for the column. Uh, but, you know, how did you start coming up with some of these things? All right. Well, just like this is how my life works when something like this happens. I was busy doing some other stuff. I had uh, two radio shows back to back. Uh, I had an interview scheduled. And as I was coming up for air, you know, obviously check text, check, check to see who's, who's looking for me. And like a thousand people need to alert me that there have been two immaculate innings <laughs> in the Astros Rangers game, because I need to know these things and they figure I'll come up with something that they haven't thought of. So that like, this then becomes a, the challenge for me. Like there are certain games every week, every season that people seem to think are my kind of games. So what am I going to do with these? So, you know, I tweeted out a couple of quick ones. Then I had time to think about it. You know, the other thing you have to remember is right, I'm planning this weird and wild column all week. This is a game that happens on Wednesday and I'm writing the column Wednesday and Thursday. So I actually already had a lead for this column that I then threw out. You know, hopefully I'll get to it next week. <laughs> As I said, I can suspend all rules of time and space. Yeah. But um, now I have to come up with oddities related to the two immaculate innings on the fly. And so let's consider what's so bizarre about this um first off the astros had two in one game never happened that we know of we know it's never happened since people started counting pitches in 1988 but there's a good chance it never happened period second thing the three hitters were this in both immaculate innings were the same three hitters that's incredible <laughs> the odds against that are just so hard to fathom that I thought, all right, I need to know exactly what those odds are. And so, you know, along the way, I, 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 I collect contributors to this column. And one who I just collected, or I guess collected is not the right word, recruited yes. a, 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 about a month or so ago was Greg Stoll. And Greg... If, if you are ever just messing around on the internet, Greg Stoll has a site called gregstoll.com, which has a win probability calculator. So you can put in the circumstances of any game and find out what were the chances of this team winning that game. It's really useful for people like me. And so um, earlier this year, we had two teams, what, in a week that were six runs down in the ninth inning and one. And so that's how Greg and I connected. So when this happened, I thought, I know who can actually calculate the odds of there being two immaculate innings in the same game. Greg Stoll can do that. So I reached out to him. He said, yeah, I'm just put my kid to bed, but give me a little time. So while he's doing that, I'm thinking, what else is there to this? Well, the Rangers um, had had in the pitch count era had only had once 
been the victims of an immaculate inning. And it was 32 years ago. So now I got to go to the calculator and try to figure out how many games ago was that? How many innings ago was that? How many strikeouts ago was that? How could they have gotten two immaculate innings against these two guys and yet never have had one against Randy Johnson or Justin Verlander, whoever, Pedro. So that's what I was doing, waiting for Greg Stoll to get back to me. Some of it was hard to actually compute, by the way, but that's neither here nor there. And so now finally, Greg checks back in and here's what he found. The odds of two of these in one game, one in 7.47 million. Okay, so think about seven and a half million games. That's when this should happen. But now if you add in, it's the same three hitters. Now we're up to one in more than 67 million games. And he, so he figured that out. That would be over, basically you should see this once every 27,670 seasons. One thing the three of us have in common is if that's how long it takes, we're not going to be writing and talking about the next one. No. Yeah. I think you're probably right on that. Um, and what I love about what you mentioned here is the Rangers faced Felix Hernandez a ton of times, Verlander a ton of times, you mentioned Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, Doc Halliday, Pedro. <laughs> it's happened against Luis Garcia and Phil Maton. That's not Pedro. <laughs> it's the best. I like that. That's, that's, why the, that's why baseball is the greatest reality show ever. It's totally <laughs> unscripted and unpredictable. Man. And and there's moments of baseball that feel scripted and, and that's the beautiful part too. Right. And we talk about the records and the chases and I mean, Cal Ripken's, you know, I think the most unbreakable record there is, and there's several very unbreakable records. I think that one is, is probably one that especially in today's game, we just won't see uh, really even yeah, get touched. And <laughs> yeah, I, I probably, and, and honestly, there's a lot of records that probably won't get touched. And, and that's why I really was thought it was interesting in the column that you put up, uh, together on the 15th, which by the way, you could tell drums up a lot of conversation because there's 314 comments on this, <laughs> uh, but could any baseball feat today match the power of Cal Ripken Jr. streak here are seven to consider. And we know what Cal Ripken, even though I wasn't alive for it, we know what Cal Ripken's streak did for baseball and, and just how awesome it was for, for people to follow that. Yeah. Uh, without giving away, obviously, the whole piece and everything like that, but what do you think is, is in the realm of possibility to be something that could be a chase or down-to-the-wire type of record book type of moment that could really inject more life into the sport because I'm not sure if 60 home runs does it. I watched John Carlos Denton get pretty darn close with the Marlins. It was exciting, but I don't know if it's that appointment television that we would see with some of these other potential records. Yeah. You know, the problem with the home run records is they were all pretty much ruined by the PPD mm -hmm. era. Yeah. You know, um, there was a time when there was no cooler records in any sport. In the home run records, you know, like yeah. every human walking down the street in whatever town you are in knew what 60 was, what that rep number represented, what 61 meant, what 714 meant, what 755 meant. You connected the dots to Babe Ruth and Henry Aaron and Roger Maris and really to Babe Ruth. And um, as long as we could connect the dots to Babe Ruth, those are the greatest records in sports. But then McGuire, Sosa, Bonds come along and make 60 homers, 61 homers look humdrum. 
know, Sammy, Sammy had three 60 Homer seasons and never led the league. Right. So um, that, it just tells you how different the home run records are. I, you know, I, I had, I've had a lot of people reach out to me since that column run talking about Aaron judge and yep. the pursuit of 62. Uh, and their point is a lot of people consider 61 by Roger Marist to be the real record, the authentic record. Second thing is it would be an actual record because it's still the American league single season record. And so, you know, I didn't really get into this in the column, but people have been bringing it up since if Aaron judge makes a charge and he basically already is um, <laughs> at 62 homers as a Yankee in Yankee stadium, yeah. as his team is on the road to like 130 wins, whatever they're going to do, does that do it? Um, I don't know if it quite gets to what McGuire and Sosa were in 1998, uh, what Rip, Ripken represented in 1995, but we would be paying attention to yes. another Yankee chasing 62 homers. So that, even though I didn't write about that extensively, I have rethought it since the column. What do you guys think? Jack, first. You, me first? You yeah. first. Honestly, when you put it that way too, the, the mirror of, of the Yankees. And, and also this is, this team has a chance to be one of the most dominant Yankees teams we've seen in a very, very long time. Right. So I, I think there would be some appointment television. And that's a big difference, right? John Carlos Stan was playing for the Marlins. I grew up a Marlins fan. Like, I know the reality of it, right? And, and no, one, no one's monitoring the Marlins' quest for 500 as John Carlos Stanton, you know, tries to win the MVP nearly as much as, as Aaron Judge making that run. I, I think that would be one of the best things we've seen for baseball probably since that, that chase. I, what do you think, Jack? Well, yeah, I think a lot of, you know, what we can still strive for right now, and, and the essence of this is all individual accolades, right? It's all individual excellence, celebrating individual excellence. And that's what was so cool about Cal Ripken, because like you mentioned in the article, you know, he did it. He's a Maryland guy. He did it for the Baltimore Orioles. I think that, you know, New York sex appeal, that intrigue is, is massive for what this can do. I also love that you bring up, you know, Shohei Otani possibly, you know, hitting 50, 60 homers, because it's that type of thing where you've got the must watch guy. Aaron judge right now is the best player in baseball. He's the must watch guy with the must watch team. Uh, you hope that Shohei can do it when the angels are good, but the Yankees are the best team in baseball right now. So I feel like you're going to need that marriage of, of great market, great team, great player. And that creates something really special, right? Yeah. I, you know, I think, one of the lessons of Ripken is it has to be the right player in the right place in the right moment in time, chasing the right record. And Aaron judge could be that person. You know, the funny thing is like, again, without really spoiling the column, that was not the, the record that we wound up focusing on as the one that would get this done, that would have the whole country just transfixed if it ever happened or somebody even got close. Um, and that would be somebody making a run at the Joe DiMaggio 56 yeah. game hitting streak, which I think now ranks as the number one most romantic record in baseball. Okay. Um, you would hope that whoever chased it would again be the right player somebody famous, somebody who could handle the attention, handle the questions, handle the social media onslaught. Um, 
you know, I'd nominated Freddie Freeman as like the perfect candidate um, because it would take that. But if it, if that were to happen, that's a day-to-day soap opera. That's a, if you miss it the night before, that's a wake up in the morning and ask, did Freddie Freeman get a hit last night? Uh, the day-to-day stuff like the Ripken streak and the hitting streak, I, I think would be absolutely the biggest day-to-day attraction that, that fits what we're looking for. But it's fun to talk about the others too. So read that column. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a bunch you throw in there that I love. And, and before we let you go, I, there is that level Jack, right. Of, of when you look at a hitting streak, you're hanging on every AB because with, with a home run record, okay. He goes over three, he could hit two tomorrow and, and make up for that with, with the hitting streak. You got to hit that day or else you're cooked. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you. And we actually just had uh, Matt Spiegel on who's, who's hosting beat the streak daily right now right. with, with Odyssey and with major league baseball. And um, you know, nobody's ever gotten to 56 when they can handpick a player on a given day on their phone. Um, yes. That that's just how untouchable that is right now. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm with you and there's something so endearing about that. And, and Jason, I'm sure, you know, you can identify with this too, because as you see walks spike up, as you see hit by pitches spike up, a guy could go 0 for 1 with three walks and the hitting streak's over, right? It, there's something right. so pure baseball-wise about a base hit, and 57 would be incredible. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, this, this was another little tidbit that I never even put in the column, but there's no active player whose two longest streaks combined add up to 56. Wow. <laughs> okay. And nobody has been within two weeks of DiMaggio in That's over amazing. 40 years since Pete Rose. So That's- we got a long way to go for this to happen. The offensive climate that everybody exists in doesn't make it real easy to do. It's harder than it's ever been to get a hit, <laughs> but maybe next year, if they limit shifts and limit them the right way, um, that could change. So it'd really be interesting to see what the impact of that is and whether anybody, anybody could actually get into the upper thirties, into the forties and really get a, get the nation in its grip. Maybe it's Joey Gallo with, with no shift. Maybe it's Joey Gallo. I can see Joey not getting a hit 56 games. Is that as good? Uh, on base streak, you can walk a lot. Uh, maybe that could be the case. But uh, Jason, we know you got to run and uh, we, we would keep you all day if we could. But I would love to get into the rules discussion uh, on another time as well, because there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Uh, Jack and I are are very out about our love for the pitch clock. So excited to hopefully circle back with you at some point about that. But Jason, thank you so much for the time. And again, for everybody, click those columns. Uh, the, 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 the link is in the description. Jason's writing is one of my favorite things I look forward to all yeah. the time. And of course, talking to you is even better. Uh, so, so thank you so much for the time, Jason. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Always, always fun to visit this show. I love him. And I know you love him too. He's, he's the best. <laughs> he's the man. All right. We won't waste any more of your time. Uh, follow us on social media, all of them. Uh, if you just search Just Baseball and all the social media, uh, you know, search engines, explore pages, you will find us. That's Aram. I'm Jack. Me and Pete with you tomorrow. And Peter says with that, thank you, everybody. So with that, thank you, everybody.